Thanks for joining us for the Westbridge Church Podcast. More information about Westbridge Church is available at westbridgedanville.com. Here's this week's message from Pastor John McDougall. Well, good morning. It's good to be together today. Thanks for being here. And today we kick off this new series we're calling Seasons. And the question that we'll be asking over these next four weeks is, how do we maximize each season of life for the glory of God? It's interesting that as God created the world that we know it, He created it in, to, to operate through a continuum, a cycle of seasons. And as we look at our own lives as humans, we experience the same thing, except as we get to experience winter and spring and summer and fall, we learn season by season, how to, how to maximize it, how to live in it, how to uh, stay alive through each season. As we experience seasons as humans, we get one shot, one opportunity to, to maximize that season and, and to experience that season for the glory of God. It's interesting that the, the, this idea of seasons really caught the mind of one of the wisest men ever to live, Solomon, and it, it put him into a song in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. He says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh. And he just goes on thinking about there's a season for for this and for that, a time to embrace, a time to hug, and there's a time to, to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be silent, a time to speak, and it goes on and on, and you feel that God created us to do life in season. As you watch Jesus live, the author of life, the creator came down here, he went through the seasons. It's unique to see that that he grew through the seasons, and as he lives, and as we have a recording of how he did this, often you will hear him say, and I've often wanted to give a talk on this and have not got there yet, but, but he will say, it's not my time. Remember his mom comes to him at the wedding feast, hey, they need help. And what did he say to her, mom or woman, respectfully, it's not my time. He knew the time. He understood that, that there was a season for him to, to even do his ministry. And so the goal just to lay this foundation for us, and if you're new to church, new to following Christ, this may be a bit of a paradigm shift for you, but this is foundational for us, but I need to, we need to say it to, to get started. The goal for maximizing each season of life is simply to bring glory to our God. Now, as, as we're born into this world, we're concerned about our name. We want to lift up our name, but there's a, a shift that happens as we begin to follow Christ. It's the shift that God calls us to in Psalm 115 one that says, not to my name, but to your name be the glory because of your love and your faithfulness. So all that we do is for the glory of God. So as we move through the unique opportunities and challenges of each season, our first thought is, Lord, how do I maximize this moment in my life for your glory? To make much of your name, that you would look good, that you would be pleased, that others watching me navigate this season would say, wow, what a God they serve. That's the goal. Does that make sense? And so I think most of us have that as a foundation for our lives, but just to to lay that as we move through this series, that's the the big goal. So now we're asking the question, how do we embrace the unique opportunities and challenges 
of, of each unique season to bring God glory. The danger is, as humans, we're either looking ahead to the next season. I remember when I was, man, in grade school, I used to think, I can't wait till I get to be an adult. And I get out from under this season of having to obey mom and dad. And then when, when we get out of that season, we, we start missing that last season, right? Often we look ahead or look back, and we miss the opportunities that God has given us for this season. So we're going to move through these four seasons. Today, it's the season of childhood and the wonder of childhood, maximizing that. Next week, Pastor Tyson's going to lead us into the energy of youth and what's it look like to maximize that season. The, the next week, we'll look at the strength of adulthood and then finally, the glory of age. And that's going to be a fun day. It'll be grandparent day. So the, uh, I need to say up front, too, this idea of seasons is not original with myself or Tyson. This comes from a seminary president, Al Mohler, and I was listening to the podcast. He's a gifted academician and scholar, and he was speaking to seminarians, so academic on worldview and a biblical theology of age, and I thought, wow, perfect for our family series. So I encourage you, if you want to listen to that, dig into that. It's, it's a bit different than where we're going to go. We're going to focus more on scripture, what God says about it, and flesh it out in a, uh, for more of a biblical theology versus a social and uh, world youth uh, look at it, but that's a great resource, but he gets the credit for the series, but we're going to be digging into God's word on each season, what God has to say about it. Now, you may be thinking, hold on, why do I need to be here if I'm not in the season? If I'm not a kid today, um, why, why am I here, or not in youth, why am I here? Really important, each season speaks to all of us with the principles that it gives us. There's a, a both the spiritual metaphor of moving through seasons, but also one of the, as a family, as we move through each season, we're, we're in it together, and we're going to learn how to help support one another through the season, how to pray for those who are in this season or that season. Also, it'll be good preparation for seasons that we're headed toward, and we will be laying a foundation for the worldview of aging, and in our culture, we live in a post-Christian culture, we cannot let culture dictate worldview as it comes to how we view the different ages of life, whether it be at the end, of, the end of life or the start of life, all of that. So there will be some important foundation laid for all of us theologically in the realm of, of aging. So today the big question is this, how do we maximize the season of childhood for the glory of God? And the question behind that question that immediately came to my mind as I was thinking through this is, why did God create us as infants, as helpless infants, and then put us on this journey of really a long maturing process? Why did he do that? The first humans on earth, he created as adults with the appearance of age, which solves a lot of the problems when people think about timing and creation, is God just, poof, there's Adam and Eve, full-grown adults. He could have done that for all of us. He could have had Eve just hatch an egg and then pop, out comes this fully competent, happy, strong adult, right? He could have done that. But instead, he chose to put us in this humbling, messy, long process of maturing. Why? Well, we know why anything. It's for his glory. And so there are three opportunities as we look at Scripture, and he clues us in, as we see him inspiring people to write about childhood, that we, we learn three ways that we can maximize this season to bring glory to God. And the first is found in Psalm 139. The first opportunity is this, the wonder of childhood 
inspires our worship. Psalm 139, he, uh, the psalmist is, is writing, and he gets down to verse 13, and he says, speaking of God, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And here's the, the central verse. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I, was, when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. Isn't that a comforting thought? Our days already marked out by our maker before one of them came to be. You know, as we mature and we begin to, we hop on the, just the grind of life, we can lose the wonder of it all, can't we? And, and yet when there, that moment comes where our life intersects with the life of a child, it slows us down to stop and, and look and say, oh my, <laughs> that is, for a child to be conceived and then to begin to grow in a mother's womb and then the birth process and then the development process, it's a miracle. And we find ourselves saying, if we stop and look, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and we praise God for what he's doing. I was talking with Travis, one of our doctors who, who cares for moms and babies, and he was sharing just the wonder of it. At five weeks, a baby is the size of a sesame seed. But it's during that fifth week that its little heart starts to beat. How? I mean, this tiny little heart beating twice the beats of our heart. And who starts it? It's God. It's, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> Lord, we praise you for that. The wonder of childhood inspires our worship. What a gift. Helping us resume our primary vocation of standing in all of our Creator. And giving him praise and glory. Each child, one more reason to sing it again. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Kimmy Howard is gifted in the realm of arts and photography. And she's actually gifted in, in catching the wonder of a newborn child. She teaches classes to people all over the country. People all over the country come to have their infant filmed by her. And what she does is really worship. And so I thought, hey, let's just let Kimmy lead our worship time this morning. Some of our own families are in this worship moment, but let's just roll through these fearfully, wonderfully made. You can say, ah, if you want to. <laughs> Little ones. I love this. This is the Roseboom family who just joined our church. Isn't this a great picture? Everybody smiling. Little Finley struggling with it. But, uh, <laughs> oh, little David does not know what he just got, was just born into. Pure joy. Isn't that awesome? Fearfully. And this is Katie Baker with little Hannah. An answer to, to their prayer. The wonder of childhood. Why did God give us children? Why, why this process? It's just that reminder that connects, I made you, I sustain you, it's in, for worship. I was, there was a moment when our daughter was around three or four years old that I, I have my 
daily meeting with God in the morning. I'd wake up early and be sitting there in the chair, and Jessie would come in, and she'd start doing what three- or four-year-olds do. She would uh, just be climbing up on my lap and talking and asking questions, all that stuff. And, you know, I'm trying to get into the Word and get my thing for the day and get my soul right and all that stuff. And so a little bit of frustration, and I sensed the Lord just whispering to me, John, this season won't last long. Let her presence lead you into my presence. And so I just began to, as when she would own my attention in those moments, just praise God for her and just look at her. She's fearfully and wonderfully made. Her smile, Lord, thank you for the beauty of that smile and her joy that we could provide a home where she is safe. And, and then uh, just seeing her and what a gift to us she is. And the, uh, she would just climb up in my arms as a, her dad that that's the kind of relationship I can have with my Heavenly Father. And I still have the Bible. It was in youth ministry. Youth ministry is tough on Bibles, being out in the elements or what have you, duct taped. But I keep um, the precious page to me is this page. I don't know if you can see it. But where she was up on my lap, it was in Exodus, and she just starts scribbling over Exodus chapter 32. And I love that page <laughs> because it reminds me of that precious season where my daughter was up in my lap, and, and we worshiped, or I worshiped the Lord as I um, experienced her presence. But not only does the wonder of childhood and the development of a child lead us to worship, but our children can help us rediscover the wonder of life, can't they? And again, one of the challenges of adulthood is we get into the grind, and life begins to lose its wonder and lose its joy, and we stop playing, and we stop laughing, and we stop taking the time to notice just the simple joys of, and wonders of life. As we see life through a child's eyes, it's neat, though, as we, as we do, it's almost like a second childhood where we, we have a greater capacity to absorb the wonder of it all and give glory to God, praise Him in those moments. I was thinking about Sabbath when Chad was growing up, and there was a season when he was old enough finally to get on the back of my bike, to put him in that bike seat, and we'd spend several Mondays, um, or there was a big hill in front of our house, we'd go flying down this hill and just hearing Chad laugh with the speed and the wind, and I'd laugh, we'd stop at a creek, and we'd go hunting for, you know, the creatures, and he'd come awake to things like, I'd say, frog and fish, and he's, you know, trying to say that, and you know, duck, and then we'd travel over to the, uh, through the town, there was a train went through the town, an overpass, and we parked the bike, climb up under this overpass, and wait for Thomas the train, and as a dad, I'm just waiting for his mind to be blown, and just chat, Thomas the train on TV is one thing, but wait till you see him in real life, and just seeing his wonder and fear, and, and filling that with him, and then we'd drive over to Burger King, and I introduced him to one of the great joys of life, the Whopper, fries, and a strawberry milkshake, and just uh, oh, and then we'd go to the, the playground, work that off, play ourselves tired until we got to go take a sweet nap. I look back at those moments, and those were gifts from my father. Reminded me, John, I made you, I created this for you to enjoy with me. And through children, isn't that, I just was talking to, to Bob Curran and taking his grandson on on the hike to the John Muir Trail. And those moments that we share together, God helps us um, through children to remember the wonder of it all, to celebrate that. And then as we experience the wonder of a parent's love, 
we get a glimpse of our Father's love, don't we? When you ask a parent, describe the love you have for your child, what do they say? (laughs) You can't put it in words. And isn't it interesting that it's this love that our Father uses to describe His love for us. And then as we understand that, and then we understand what He gave as He gave His Son, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not die but have eternal life. And our soul begins to ache as we look back to the Old Testament where God said to Abraham, He gave him this son Isaac and said, Abraham, climb the mountain and sacrifice your son. And the ache that we feel in a father's heart as he's climbing up this mountain foreshadowing the cross and the mountain of Calvary and where his teenage son says to him, Dad, we've got the fire, we've got the wood, but where's the sacrifice? We, we, as a parent, we feel the ache. The love is ripping our heart out. And remember what Abraham says, the Lord will provide. He provided a, a lamb there in the bush. But when our Lord climbed his mountain, And when he begged his father, Father, please let this cup pass. And because of the father's love for you and for me and for our Lord's love for you and me, he turned away. The pain of the cross, the sacrifice of the cross, is physical suffering, but far greater was the emotional suffering and the separation of relationship. When a father looked away from his son and their relationship was blown apart by our guilt, and by what we've done to him. As we come to communion today, it's, we remember that. We remember his sacrifice, the enormity of his love. We praise him for that. It leads us to worship. And so the first opportunity as we think about this process of childhood is the wonder of it leads us to worship. The second opportunity to bring God glory through it is the helplessness of it. The helplessness of childhood teaches us to trust. We see this over in Mark chapter 10, verses 13. As Jesus' familiar scene says, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place their hands on him, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. That word there, indignant, is, doesn't quite capture. He's mad, mad, mad. As he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God, and this is the key phrase, like a little child, like a little child, like a little child, will never enter it. And he took the, I love the picture, he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. Like a little child. The way that we enter the kingdom of God, the way we receive a right relationship with God is with the faith of a child. It's understanding that we are helpless. We can't work our way into God's favor. I heard a statistic again. Someone asked those who were in the church, how do you receive a right relationship with God? How do you enter the kingdom of heaven? And 60% of them said, it's by what I do. That's not the gospel. The gospel is it's what Christ did for us and putting our faith and trust in him. And the child reminds us that nothing we can do to to be right with God, but it's what he did for us, and we come to him solely by faith 
The faith of a child, trusting him like a child. But this is also how we live, like a child, trusting him, living in dependence in his provision for us. Jesus called us to this again and again. So as you think about childhood, it's, it's significant. And this week I, I was um, studying humans versus all the other creatures. I, I found out we are one of the most helpless creatures in the maturing process that, that God created. Do you, I was, do you remember the first time you realized there was a whole season of my life, like the first four, for me it was I think the first four years, I don't even have a memory of what happened. <laughs> Therefore, I did absolutely nothing to keep myself alive. The only reason I'm here in halfway decent shape is because of the love of a selfless love of a mom and a dad. That's it. But when you look at the rest of created order, it's not like that in most cases. A fish comes out swimming. A horse, ever seen, they just come out, they wobbly at first, but day one, they're walking. A bird, give them a couple weeks, they're flying. But not us. We are this helpless blob of just messy need. I mean, 100% need, helpless. And not for a little while. It's like moms who have kids under the age of five. Can I get an amen right here? It's a long, long, long season of helplessness. Even when our kid gets up and running, I mean, they will just put themselves right in front of a truck like that if you let them. Just, there they go. Why? Great picture of our, our own spiritual maturing process, but why did God design us like that? Of all the creatures on the planet, who has the greatest bond in family? Now, part of the reason we bond more than any other creature is we're created in the image of God with the capacity to relate. But could it be helplessness leads to intimacy? What if, if we just hatched out full-grown humans, would a mom and a child have the bond? But it takes years. And in that process of just constant caring, there's this incredible bond that forms. So now, spiritually, what a cool picture. Our helplessness. God creates us helpless, needing him. Why? Intimacy. Every moment you feel helpless, I can't get up over that mountain, I'm struggling with this, is an opportunity for you to cry like a little baby, Dad! And what's Dad do? He picks you up. And what do you learn? Trust. A child's helplessness teaches us to trust. And Jesus, as he was here, said, guys, this is how it is. Your father knows what you need. Don't worry about tomorrow. He's got you. Psalm 131, we see the, the, the psalmist say, I made it. I'm there. I'm not worried about all these things. My, I've quieted my soul like a weaned child. Like a weaned child is my soul within. What's a weaned child? A weaned child is a child that's gotten old enough to know I don't have to scream for the next meal. Mom and dad are going to provide for me. He's gotten there. A child teaches us to trust, and so it is as we... Uh, as we follow our Lord. Isn't that a neat, neat picture? And as we see our kids around us and interact with kids, just remembering, Lord, help me trust you like that. 
So how do we maximize this season of childhood for the glory of God? Childhood is an opportunity. It inspires worship. It also teaches us to trust. But third, the potential of childhood moves us to train. We see this in Psalm 127 as the psalmist writes in verse 3, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. So our children are a gift. And then he uses this picture, and this is a really neat picture of really describing potential. He says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And so you start, those of us who are wanting to get into the details, thinking, what's a full quiver? It's like five arrows. or So I Googled that, and it's really pretty much, it changes season to season. I got it to the, or army to army. Basically, you want as many arrows in your quiver as your quiver can hold, right? <laughs> so whatever God leads you to in that, this is, it's a picture. But I was thinking about our community. Did anyone notice in the Hendricks County icon this week, the cover story was, is it okay to let your child fail? I, it, or or and they go into over-parenting, helicopter parenting, what have you. But what was interesting to me was, the uh, census taken 2017 in Hendricks County, one in four humans in our county, it's a kid. And the statistics are 30% of the population in Avon are 18 and under. 27% of the population in Danville are 18 and under. 24% in Plainfield, 23% in Brunswick. The nation's average is 22%. Therefore, in our county, our quiver is full of kids. <laughs> and God says to families, blessed is the person whose quiver is full of them. What a gift. And what that moves us to, though, is to train. When you think about a child being an arrow in the hands of a warrior, what do you see? What is perhaps our biggest impact as we fight the good fight? It's training up children. When, an arrow, when a warrior would grab an arrow, it was arrow, an arrow that he made. He crafted that thing, and you wanted it to go straight to hit its mark. And here, it's just that picture of what a gift. Our lives, the potential we have of training up a child to go hit the mark, to bring good to this world and glory to God, the potential is huge. Such that the Lord looks at us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, and he says to fathers, and fathers representing really the authority in the family, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up, nurture them, train them in the, the admonition or training and instruction of the Lord, of the Lord Jesus. And so as we look at Scripture, are there some training tips that we discover? And we don't have time to get into all of these. Uh, the parenting course that we'll be launching next week uh, in the youth room, 9 o'clock hour, as well as in the, uh, we'll have a tonight, the family experience, we'll be talking more about some of these things, but I'll give three quick ones. The first training tip is, as we train up our children, focus on the big win, which is this. What, what's the big win? If there's one thing we want to teach our kids, what is it? It's to learn obedience. We see this in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3, where God says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first command with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. When we leave home, we no longer have to obey our parents. While we're in the home, we do. We always have to honor them. But that's an important distinction to make. But 
What is the uh, childhood is that unique season of life where the primary goal is to learn obedience, to learn how to submit to authority. So if you're a child, you're, uh, we'll say it's 18 and under. Today we're focused on 10 and under, but if you're up to 18 years old, still are in the home. You're one thing in this season of life, and God's going to give you opportunity, opportunity to practice this, is to obey mom and dad without delay, without excuse, and with the right heart. Does God get pumped up when you score a touchdown? Does he get pumped up when you're the, the have a great piano recital or make an A? Nope. What he cares about, what he gets excited about, is when you say, I really don't want to do this, mom and dad, but you do it anyway. Trusting him, your father in heaven is calling you to do this. Obey them. So what's God going to do? He's going to give your mom and dad some bad days where they make a, a rule that really doesn't make sense and drives you crazy just to test you. And what's he promise? You obey this, you receive a blessing. Now, as parents, this defines our big responsibility to teach our kids to submit to authority, beginning with you. The, uh, if a child learns obedience without excuse, without delay, and with the right heart, then they will learn how to submit to the ultimate authority when they're out on their own. And really, that's the goal, isn't it? We come into this world wanting our own will, but what's the, ma the measure of maturity as a disciple of Christ? It's someone who's saying, not my will be done, but your will be done. And if a child never learns to say, to mom and dad, your will be done. The odds of them saying to our Father in heaven, who they can't see, your will be done, drop dramatically. They will struggle. And so this is the focus in the early years. For I, we often say the first five years, you've got to win the battle of the will. If you don't win it in the first five, the next, the next 10 are going to be brutal. It can still be won, but they're going to be really hard. First five, win the battle of the will. And it is a battle, isn't it? Three years old, if anyone doubts the presence of the sin nature, some people think environment shapes us, kids come out innocent. Even those kids in Kimmy's pictures, each, in each one of them is a tyrant, tyrant. <laughs> I'm cute, yeah, they're cute while they're sleeping away, but when they get to be three, there will be a moment they want their will. And it's our responsibility as parents to say, no, you are to submit to my will. And if that will is broken, set them up for a life of, of peace and joy as they follow, submit to the will of their Father in heaven. The potential of that is, is just awesome. The uh, second training tip, harness the power of blessing. Summarize it, Mark, uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 11. We see Jesus, as he's about to begin his ministry, the Father says, this is my Son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. It's interesting that the father blesses his son. Jesus, a perfect son, still needing the affirmation and approval of his father in heaven. So God gives us as parents, especially dads, an incredible power in blessing our, our children. Every child wants to please mom and dad. And so we're, we're responsible to train them and show them their areas they need to grow, but we're also responsible to give them our blessing. And this means saying, I'm glad you're in my family. This is my son. I love you. And I've said this in ministry, but also to our children. You can hurt me by how you choose to live, but you can't change my love for you. I will love you. I love you unconditionally. And then third, I am so pleased with you. And, and this is where we affirm what we see in their character development and their gifting development as they work hard and as they become and 
and grow. So we think through our, the season of our child, child's life and pick those moments uh, and to bless them. A great time to bless them is at their baptism. Another time is when they enter the teenage years. Another time is graduation. Another, another time is the wedding day or the wedding weekend and just to affirm them and, and bless them as they go. Third training tip is to leverage the power of example as you follow Jesus. Studies continue to confirm the greatest influence in a kid's life is mom and dad. And how do we influence our kids? Some of what we say, most of what we do. How hard will your child follow, or will our children follow after Christ? Speed of the leader, speed of the team. As we follow Christ, they will pace in that way. And so the challenge for us is to, uh, is to go hard after Christ. May I challenge you as parents, as a church family, no, we're, we're, we want to encourage you, equip you, the five habits and heart attitudes, let that be part of your family talk. If you can communicate this, and if you will practice these, show up for worship with the desire to love God, be reaching out to people who are far from him with compassion, be in a group so that, uh, so that you can love the body of Christ, be growing in your faith, let your kids see you reading the Bible and wearing Bibles out as you do life, and then be in ministry, be serving, be involved. As you live this out, this will set our, your, ch your child up to follow your example for a lifetime, and good chance they will be passing that, that on to their kids. As a church family, this is core to our DNA, where we want to be an encouragement and a, a source of, of a refreshment to you. And I'll tell you just personally, what lights my fire almost every week is the power of a Christ-centered home. Family is the primary discipleship unit of the God created. And if, if everyone in that family is going hard after Christ and saying, starting with mom and dad, it's an outpost of heaven on earth. Not perfect, but it is a powerful launch force. It's a light in the neighborhood. And I'll tell you, our prayer, as we met as elders this year, and our prayer was, Lord, let us be a source of a light here in Danville and in every town in our county. And let there be a family in every neighborhood who is an outpost of heaven in that hood, putting Christ at the center, sacrificially surrendered to him, following him, and living um, to be a blessing to those around us. And this is how God works here in our, our day. The, uh, one of the challenges I'll quick share parenting, the, the challenge today is not a lack of resources, it's sifting through all of them and, and getting to the, the main resources. May I share one of the best parent, parenting resources there is? Small group. Because small group is where you gather with people often similar seasons or even if they're in another season they can speak wisdom into it. You take the principles of God's word and you just say, how's it working for you? What have you found? What do you? And God uses, his grace flows through one another when we get together in small group. So I encourage you, if you're not in one, opportunities will be coming to be in one. A couple other quickies. We have the, uh, this is probably the best book that I've read on parenting, Shepherding a Child's Heart. Next one is uh, New, New City Catechism is a great tool to use in your homes for your family prayer huddle. And uh, yeah, you can Google that and get lots of information. There's a curriculum with it. And then the last one there is Raising Kids for True Greatness. Tim, uh, Dr. 
Tim Kimmel, who will be with us next August. We've lined him up to come. He's written Grace-Based Parenting. Really, the tone of parenting that he sets, I think, is one of the healthiest, one of the best, just um, and love the stuff that, that he's written. So recommend those to you. All right. So how do we maximize the season of childhood? Whatever season we're in, the wonder of childhood can lead us into worship, our primary vocation. The helplessness of childhood, as we watch the kids with, in our, our context, teaches us to trust. And then the potential of childhood fires us up to train, all for the, the glory of our God. So as we close today, I thought it'd be neat just to, we're going to move into our time of communion. This is a time for the family of God to just remember what Christ did for us. And for those of you who have trusted Christ as your Savior, it's an opportunity to take the bread, symbol of his body, the cup, symbol of the blood, his blood poured out for us, and just thank him for that and worship but as we pray into this time, I thought it'd be good just to pray blessing over those of us in, who are at unique seasons of, of childhood. So if we could, if you're a child, we'll say 10 and under, would you go ahead and just stand up? We have our kids 10 and under. Stand up. All right. I have a few in this service. Good to have you guys. We just want you to know as a church family that you matter to the Lord and you matter to us. And we're so thankful that you're part of our church family. And we're excited for what God has for you. And as you look around at these children, I encourage you, church family, pick one and just pray. That What's the one thing we're praying for our kids in this season? Lord, help them learn obedience. And then could we have parents? And if you're a parent of a child, let's say 18 and under, Parents of children 18 and under, would you stand? Parents, we want to just affirm your calling at this season of life. That what you're doing, often in the mundane, in the conversations, that, uh, that what you're doing matters as you launch your children. And then if you are a teacher or an administrator in our schools, would you just stand? And will everybody keep standing? We're just going to all stand here together. But teachers, administrators, you all are shepherding the hearts and the minds of arrows in the hands of, of warriors, the gener this next generation. And I know as schools have started and are starting, the energy that you're putting. And we just want to pray over you. Thank you for what you do. And then we'll just have uh, Westbridge Kids staff and volunteers. Would you guys stand? Anybody involved in Westbridge Kids, staff, volunteers, thank you for your ministry to our kids. And let's all stand and just pray together. Father, we thank you that we can come to you as our Father in heaven, just knowing that you know our needs before we ask, that you keep our hearts beating. You started it, and when our hearts stop beating down here, that you know that day, you knew that day. And that you have prepared a place for us. Father, we thank you for giving your son. We, those of us who are parents, we can't even go there. But it takes us into the wonder of your love. And we say thank you, we praise you, we worship you. Lord, today, for those who are in the season of childhood, we just praise you for them. And we pray your blessing over them. Help them to learn obedience. 
pray that they would come to faith in you and trust you as their Savior and even at this season, learn how to walk with you by faith. I pray for the parents in this room with all the the concerns and the challenges, the joys as well, Lord, that you would empower and equip. I pray the same for the the teachers and the administrators and and our Westbridge Kids volunteers, Lord, that, that you would just give us the love that we need, the strength that we need, the wisdom that we need as we care for these children that mean so much to you and to us. Lord, as we come to the sacred time of communion and take this bread, we thank you for giving your body to be broken for us. We praise you and we glorify you for all that you've given us, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.